Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with the Witherslack Group, experts in special education and care, and John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. To everybody, um, the topic is the things we would have said to our teacher selves when we started teaching. Um, and obviously when I put this tweet out, um we had lots of responses i had over 250 uh responses to the tweet uh and a few of them said wouldn't have gone into it <laughs> which was which was don't do it um which was a great start um when sort of four or five people said that um but we also had uh lots of people who offered various tips and pieces of advice uh, that they would have shared with their teacher selves. Um, and we're going to run through some of them uh, this evening as we go along. Um, one of the things I also did for tonight is I dug out an article that I wrote in 2017 where I went through um, some of the things I would have said to myself when I started out as a as an NQT or what is now an ECT. So there were 10 of them. Or is it 10? Hang on, let me see how many I've written here. 10 things, yes, 10 things. I wrote 10 things I would have said. It'll be interesting to see whether, you know, whether those things are things that I still would say. Um, but let me let me go through the ones that I kind of put in this list at the time. So this was five years ago now. And I started teaching in 2007. So it would be interesting to to kind of think, well, would I say the same things now as I did then and and so on. Um, so number one was be nice to the caretakers, um, which, uh, you know, I think that's a good one to start off with, because in my experience, if you aren't nice to the caretakers, then all kind of hell can break loose for you. You get kicked out of rooms. You, uh, if you do get kicked out of a room, it's hard to get back into a room. Um, if you need things unlocked, like cupboards that contain stationery or other bits of things that you need and you've no idea what to do, then the caretaker or the site manager is definitely the one who can help you out. Um, if you are disconcertious to, is that even a word? Maybe, I don't know. It's a good word if, if it isn't one. Um, but if you are not very nice to the site staff, then things can just go a bit slower. Um, it, and I have seen this happen 
in particularly in the first school that I taught in where there was two or three people on the site team and I got on really well with Barry. Barry was the caretaker. He ha- he walked around the site with a massive raft of keys that used to jangle and you used to hear him from like a mile away. You knew Barry was coming. You knew it. And quite often, because this was near the start of my teaching career, I needed and wanted to stay late. Um, and, you know, he was just really nice. He was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll come back and lock up. Because I used to teach in a porter cabin, so I wanted to sit in the porter cabin um, until late and, and do my work. And he used to come around about half four uh, with his keys. And instead of sort of kicking me out, which he was well entitled to do, he was like, oh, yeah, you just, you just stay there. Because we sort of developed a relationship, We, you know, and we, we, we used to chat and sort of had a conversation with him when, whenever I could. And uh, when I left, I bought him a T-shirt. I can't remember what it, what it had on it. It was like a skull and crossbones T-shirt because um, he was a bit of a like a bit of a metalhead, you know. He used to wear one of those really oversized T-shirts with like Nirvana on the front, and then he'd have this massive keychain. So I just thought, yeah, you know what? I'm going to buy you a death metal T-shirt when I leave this school, which I did. But obviously, it was easy for. A, I'm not going to say a new teacher, but any teacher to be maybe a little bit dismissive or maybe a little bit disinterested or even a little bit snobby towards um, Barry and the team. And and that, of course, I don't know because I didn't talk to them about this, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if that did happen. It didn't go down particularly well. Um, and, you know, Barry knew who had time for him and who didn't, you know, like. Uh, he wasn't stupid. Like he, he knew who was nice to him and who wasn't. I mean, he was the site manager. He, he also, if you wanted to know something, he knew everything. So it's always a good idea because, like, he's always like in classrooms, isn't he? The end of the day when teachers have candid conversations. Um, so he, he knew he knew everything <laughs> what was going on in the school. If you needed to know something, you could ask him. He, he'd tell you. And um, in confidence, of course. Um, so that was my number one, be nice to the caretakers. And I, I stand by that. I think it's a good one. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that. Number two, teaching isn't a race, so slow down. Um, you might still be doing it in, in nine years or 29 years or even 49 years. Um, it's true. There are some teachers who are coming up to their 50th year of teaching, which is pretty pretty wild. Um, I agree. I You know, and... To be fair, it's very, very easy in teaching to burn yourself out by going at 100 miles per hour. Um, And I would have said to myself as a 21-year-old, or a 22-year-old, sorry, because I took a year out, um, 22-year-old, that I don't have to be perfect at that point. Um, I think all signs point towards you need to be amazing at this job like all signs point towards that um when you first start and that's completely wrong like imagine okay imagine football and imagine a player i mean I've, i used to teach a, a lad called fernando it was amazing actually to yesterday see some clips of him playing and it was amazing to see him playing but he's what 18 going on 19 he wouldn't he's now playing in the c team for celta vigo Right. Which is actually an achievement. 
for him to get a professional contract, to be playing in this team. And by the way, Dr. Heary, I have invited you as a speaker. So on your screen, you should have an invite now. And if you just click accept, I can bring you in. Um, but he, he he's 18. He's playing in the C team. And I would sort of, I mean, he, he if you look at like Celta as an example of a football club, Diego Aspas, who's their top player, top striker, you know, he's played for Spain, did play for Liverpool for a season, didn't break into the team there, went back to Celta Vigo. I mean, when you look at his career, he didn't really break into the first team until he was like 21, 22. So he'd been playing for four years at sort of youth level or under 21 level before he then broke into the first team. And then it took him a num another number of years then to establish himself in the first team. And he went on to be a top, top player. With teaching, it's sometimes the case that someone starts as an ECT and then it's like, we're expecting you to perform at the same level as someone who has been doing this job for 20 years. And it's like, hang on a minute. Um, that's just unrealistic. But that, I'm not, and, and even the year after ECT or the year after, the year after ECT, you know, the first five years, like expecting someone to be um, as good as someone who's done it for 20, 30 years or to know as much or to be a subject expert as much or whatever. You teach curriculum over and over again, then you become better at it. Um, so my second one, I'm going to keep that. Teaching isn't a race. So slow down. You might still be doing it further down the line if you slow down of course if you go too fast you're going to risk burning out which is exactly what i did i mean i did my first seven eight years um and i did that flat out and then by the time i got to like 30 i was like do you know what i can't i i thought at that point i was leaving the profession completely actually what it turned out was it would be about six months out and i needed that six months at that point because i just literally dedicated my life i dedicated my 20s to my career to teaching i don't i don't necessarily regret that because i got a lot of enjoyment out of it but it probably led in the end to some sort of burnout and that's where halfway through the school year 30 years old i was like you know what sack this off like i'm out then after a you know two three four months out i was like oh do you know what i'm ready to go back now and that's when I got a job teaching internationally because I was like, oh, you know what? I'll have a change of scene. And then from that point on, I was like, you know what? My perspective is going to change here. Like, I'm not going to go with the attitude that I went with in my 20s. I mean, partly because partly I didn't want to. Partly I didn't have to. I had a certain bank of experience. I could call on that. But also I'd, I'd sort of got into a position where I could do the job. I was teaching internationally. There was less pressure there anyway. So it just meant I didn't have to do everything at 100 miles per hour. And I wish I'd had the attitude I had then at 30, at 22, um, in a way, um, because it would have saved me a huge amount of stress. But then equally, like, would I have been as successful, you know, in, in my teaching during that period? Probably not. Because I did spend hours and hours planning lessons and hours and hours sort of get trying to get better at things. And if I hadn't have dedicated that time, maybe I wouldn't have had the success I did with the with the students, you know? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, teaching is a demanding job, full stop. Anyway, I, I'm sticking that in the keep. Teaching isn't a race. Number three, <laughs> using abbreviations for everything is not cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep that. I've listed some here. I've got PPA, SEN, AFL, KPI, SDP, SER. God, I could list loads more now. Um, there's probably about 100 I could list. And it's like, I think what I was getting at was like, well, I've written here, please, you don't work for the FBI or NASA. You teach in a rural school in North Wales, but you're like running around going, hey, get the get the SER for the NDPs and, and all this. It's like, just speak English for a bit, you know? Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll keep that. Using abbreviations for everything is not cool. Keeping. Number four, that teacher over there who's taught for 30 years is better than you, end of. Do you know what? I don't know any, like I do know what I was trying to say there. Like, if you're just joining us, I wrote this article in 2017. We're now in 2022. Um, I wrote it in Feb 17. And I put here, that teacher over there that's taught for 30 years is better than you end off. I would say I know what I was trying to say there. I was talking about people who act like they um, don't need that sort of, they, 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 they don't need that experience or that experience isn't maybe valuable to them. Um, and that can be quite a naive uh, point of view to take because it can appear like um, everything is is hunky-dory. It can appear as though you're doing really, really well when you start teaching. Um, oh, you know what? I'm, I've, you know, I've, I've gone through. Oh, hello, Gary. Welcome. Gary, Gary King's here. What a great guy. Um, we've got Mrs. Turner. Hello, Mrs. Turner. I'm going to invite all of you people because I want to hear what you've got to say. No one's speaking right now to me. So, you know, call in. Tell me what you think. Um, so, yeah, number four that I've put on my list of things I would have said to myself as an NQT was uh, the teacher over there who's taught for 30 years is better than you end off. Like I said, I might adjust that slightly to respect experience. Um, not that I didn't, but I think when I started at 22... 23 and i was doing really really well or i considered that i was doing well and i was being told i was doing well it's very easy to think oh you know what like I, if i'm doing well now then sort of that that I, I, I wouldn't call it arrogance but it is easy to get arrogant it's easy to go oh you know what i'm made for this like i'm you know i'm i'm teaching brilliant lessons i'm doing really well but ultimately, like, no, because over time you realize, hang on a minute, that teacher has jumped through a hundred hoops. They may look less jazz hands than you. They may look less energetic, maybe, than you. They may have maybe a slightly miserable disposition in the corridors compared to you as a, uh, you know, bushy tailed youngun. But ultimately, they've done 30 years. So they know they jump through more hoops than you can imagine. They've built a bank of experience and actually they're looking around going, I've seen this all before, not in a, not in a nasty way, not in a, even a negative way, but they're very settled in their practice. They're very, they understand what they're doing and they don't need 
to do the things that you as a new teacher are doing. And that was me. I was 22, 23. And I was sort of going, oh, you know what I'm doing? This is great. This is great. And, and I remember having meetings and I got a TLR, like a leadership, a middle leadership role quite early in my career. I got one after two years, which nowadays seems bloody late. You know, like, what, was he, what were you doing for two years, Tom? Like, you should have been, you should have been a head teacher in two years. But back then, to have any sort of middle leadership role in, you know, after two years, that was quite a big deal. Um, and yet I was in meetings with like 15, 16 people who many of whom were more much more experienced than me. And perhaps I could have, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was always like, I've always been a respectful person. I'm not saying I disrespected anyone, but I'm just saying my mentality looking back now was maybe not one where I was fully appreciating the experience level those people had and what they'd been through to get to where they were. And later on, I would fully understand that, you know, you know sort of 10 years in you know you sort of go hang on a minute like those guys are 30 years in 35 years in you know and then you're like yeah i'm sort of um, i'm starting to get an inkling now of what you've been through to get to where you are and to get into the position that you're in i'm starting to understand what you've had to do to achieve term after term, year after year of, of being successful in the classroom. So what would I have said to me at 22? I'd have said, you can't understand what you don't know, Tom. You don't know what those teachers have had to, to go through to be in the position they're in. And it may appear that, um, you know, that they're not as flashy as maybe some of the other teachers in the school but they are doing things that they know has worked for them. And it is working because the kids respect those teachers hugely. And yeah, so that's what I would have said to me. Just you, you can't know what you don't know and respect that experience. Number five on my, so I'm going to keep that. Number five on my list, start for lunch. You know, the fact I was even writing that in 2017 as, a, as, a, as a, um, something I would have told myself, stop for lunch the number of times when i was 22 23 24 25 in fact i think i even got worse as i went through my 20s because i moved from one school to another school where the workload was just insane and that and literally it was a five minute ten minute scoffer sandwich jobby every day more or less every day um and that's no way to live and the stress um that i experienced um now, I'm going to, this article I've written here saying stop for lunch, I agree, Tom, you know, yes, you should stop for lunch. But then I do sort of understand my NQT ECT self saying, if I stop for lunch, I'm going to lose pace with what I want to do. So, for example, um, early in my career, I would, at lunchtime, I would set up my classroom four period you know five six or whatever it was i would i would want everything set i would get the slides on i would get all the resource resources laid out i would get my sort of register set up i would you know uh, think about those lessons um 
And that's not because I hadn't got an idea of what I was doing. I probably did. But I just sort of was overly maybe meticulous. And it was over the top because actually I could have done those lessons without doing that. And I could have had a lunch, a proper lunch. Um, I mean, maybe I needed someone to tell me at that time, you know what, like you, you need to have a proper lunch. Like you need to, I remember actually my head of department said, you should go up to the staff room to chat with people at lunch. I remember him saying that to me and I was like, yeah, 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 I'll do that. I never did. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not because I didn't want to. I just like, I preferred to feel less stressed by getting everything sorted. What that did mean though, was that from eight o'clock in the morning till, you know, five o'clock at night, I didn't really see many other adults unless, of course, I, I saw them on my break duty. I saw them maybe on lunch duty or whatever. Uh, and we had like Friday football. So there was some social time there. But through the week, like I just sort of got my head down and I, I got in my room. I closed the door. And, you know, that's a shame in a way. Like it is like, don't get me wrong. Like I don't regret it in the sense I think it helped me to do a better job as a teacher. But equally it probably was you know to not have lunch and to not to not sort of just have an have a more normal existence i don't i don't think that's good for anyone really so i'm gonna keep stop for lunch tom and that is what i would have said to myself at the start of my career i mean if you i guess if you'd have said this before i started teacher training tom make sure you stop for lunch i'd have probably be like what are you talking about there's a lunch break of course i'm gonna have lunch even in like um teacher practice during pgce like you still had time for lunch because quite often you'd have maybe one or two more frees than you know a, a, a standard classroom teacher did whereas as soon as i got into um nqt onwards there was just no time to do anything i, I was just like yeah i was just working the whole time and then of course what tended to happen was a i'd be starving by sort of 4 35 and b um, I'd be knackered because I had not stopped at all during that day. Uh, number six, asking for help isn't a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. Oh, yes, I'm keeping this one. And I 100% believe that because in that in those first few years of my career, I did not really want to let my guard down and ask for support or help or even like voice a complaint and i don't mean like a major complaint i just mean like oh this could be better or that could be better or why don't we do this i was very sort of subservient to whatever the residing cultural or, or decisions were fortunately my first school was a good school i was there for five years i enjoyed it the staff were good the, the you know um it was a good atmosphere i expected to have to fight it out in my 20s so i expected when i entered my teaching career there i expected i was going to fight out with behavior i think and that's what i did so you know it took a few years to sort of establish myself in that school but it was a good school but equally there were things in that school where if i'd have probably been a bit braver and a little bit more um experienced i i would have actually said oh you know i don't think this is a good idea you know this mark, this new marking policy, or or this new you know sticker to put on work, or this new you know whatever stamp. It's it's not a good. 
you know, and, and maybe being a bit braver, maybe that's one of the things I'd have said to myself, look, be a little bit more brave, you know, actually say in meetings, you know, like, I don't know if this will work or, or whatever, you know, um, and also ask for help as well. Like the number of times where I probably didn't know something and because of sort of fear of failure or maybe fear of looking like an idiot or fear that someone had already explained this information and I hadn't heard it the first time. Um, you know, I did, I didn't ask or I didn't, you know, I didn't ask for clarity. And, and also when I was feeling awful, you know, I didn't tell people I was feeling awful, you know, 20, uh, 2010, I went for a really, really bad sort of breakup. And during that time I was so down and I, Apart from saying, oh, yeah, you know, my girlfriend spoiled with me. Apart from that, I didn't really say, and I feel like death warmed up every day. I didn't say that until, it, you know, I sort of had to. And even then, it wasn't a full hit. It was sort of a watered-down version of, of, of what it was. Um, and, yeah i feel like looking back i definitely should have been much more open ask for help ask for support ask what the best thing to do was and there were great people there who would have been really really good for me but it was it was on me i didn't open up and i didn't ask for help and i didn't maybe i thought that would be a sign of weakness i probably did looking back now i'd have said listen you know you got you got to keep an open channel with people, particularly people that you do trust and you know are good. Like those people I was working with, I'd been there for what two, three years at that point. I knew they were good people. I knew that they had my best interests at heart. So if I'd have sort of opened up to them and been a bit more forthcoming with with different things, they would have been um, supportive and, and and stuff like that. And and certainly it wouldn't have been like oh you know there would would have been no sort of way of oh you're letting this letting the team down or whatever by by doing that. Um, so that's something I think I'm going to keep that asking for help isn't a sign of weakness but a strength Dr. Harry is here unmute yourself bottom left hi Tom how are you good evening how are you yeah enjoying listening to you but kind of quite stressful trying to work out how to get in but anyway I'm here now so apologies well, do you want me to finish my list yeah my, why not because I'm enjoying it so. alright so well you can kind of chip in right. and tell me what you think I mean do do you does then do any of these resonate with you so far? The ones I've been through. Well, I think I think there's some real uh, real pearls of wisdom there. It's being um, keeping on good terms with the site manager. I mean, that, that's <laughs> yeah. something that didn't occur to me first of all. But as soon as you said it, I thought that is that's really good advice because uh, you know the, it's, it's and it's not just the site manager. It's all those people who do those vital jobs around school. You, the in, in the admin team. Um, you know, the person who cleans your classroom, yeah. you need them on your side, don't you? Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult, though, like, when you start out, like, sort of with me, you, I, and I was terrible at this in certain respects. Like, I was always respectful to people, but I'll be honest, there were times where I was tunnel vision. I didn't yeah. want to stop for even five minutes to talk to uh, someone that I didn't feel I needed or had to speak to simply because I was like tunnel vision. This is what I have to get done so I can leave in 20 minutes and then do this for tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. was terrible at that. Well, I suppose that's the whole point of view of, of the question really, isn't it? You don't, you don't know what you don't know. You, it, it's, you start off, you're focused on one thing 
you've 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 had some training, you've had a little bit of experience, but schools are such complex places, and and to understand that, the only I think you need a bit of experience. You can't know that you need a bit of experience for that to kind of fall into place. So these are the things that actually looking back in it, yeah, but you know that's that's great advice. For, and there's 100%. a lot of things like and, that. Yeah, like there's like like there's loads of things that sort of come back to you. And you go. Blooming heck, like I could have done that different. I'm going to ask you, so you better be ready because I'm asking you in a bit like, <laughs> what your things would be. So number number seven out of ten well, for me was turning up for a lesson is half the battle won, which I completely stand by. And I'm keeping that in my pile of things that I would say to myself because actually, you know, if you go through a day and you sort of go, you know what, I did like, a four out of 10 lesson, a seven out of 10 lesson, a six out of 10 lesson, a two out of 10 lesson and a 10 out of 10 lesson. Flipping out, that's a good day. And do you know what? Like that's, that's well done. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. instead of, or let's spend like three hours feeling down because of the two out of 10 lesson, which I did a million times, like a million times. Like, there must've been a hundred, like, thousands of times where i went home and i was like oh that was just that that didn't go the way i wanted it to go and in fact looking back now it was a good lesson it was solid it had Mm -hmm. some issues in it but it wasn't like blooming heck it wasn't a write-off um and then i'd spend like you know it'd take me a good few hours maybe the whole evening that evening to feel normal again because of this because of what had happened in the day whereas actually realistically you know, actually rating your lessons and going through all of yeah. them collectively instead of just looking at one that you didn't feel was up. So look at the collective and that would be sort of what I would say to myself is look at your five or six lessons. Think about how they're all going. I wanted every class to be good. I wanted every class to be sorted. That was unrealistic. It, it, it's unrealistic to think every single class you teach is going to be at the same level as each other, in, uh, unless you unless you got a cushy deal anyway, yo. And every class is like amazing and full of like, you know, the, the the you know whatever. But that's sort of where I was coming from. Yeah, I mean, lessons are just individual lessons are just part of a much bigger picture, aren't they? And I think to just think, you know, you made some kind of football analogies before is to think that every pass has to be perfect. For a, for a game to be going well, you know, the individual lessons are just part of the big thing. And if if you know that your students are doing well from, you know, from the start of the time you have them to the finishing point that you have them, then then that that's the most important thing. And you're never going to have that consistency. And not only will you not have that consistency, neither will they. So, you know, as a teacher, you'll have things that go really well, things that don't go so well. But even if things are going really well, you need your the, that individual student. They may, they may not be in the right place for that lesson to fall perfectly. So as long as these things work overall, I, I always think, um, often I quote Michael Fullen, who said, the aim of school improvement, I might be misquoting here slightly, but basically said the aim of school improvement is that more good things happen and fewer bad things happen. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it because it doesn't mean that everything everything you plan and has to happen in the way that you plan it, has to have the result that you do. As long as, broadly speaking, you're moving in the right direction then that's the most important thing over time. Spot on. Um, number eight for me was observation grades don't mean as much as you think they do. Now, to be fair, yeah. like I wrote this article in 2017, right? And I'd say in the last five to six years, 
one-off lesson graded lesson observations have become less and less and less and less mm-hmm. anyway but you know i did put a huge amount of weight on 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 sort of a lesson observation grade at the start of my career and i think some of that came out of my pgce when of course you know that was almost like your pass or fail if you didn't get a certain number of goods or outstandings in lesson observations like you know that yeah. was your sort of benchmark you know, on the PGCE um, to sort of say, okay, are you any good at this or not? So I think I just took that into my NQT year and beyond that. And those sort of observations did continue after that, mm-hmm. you know, graded one-off lesson observations. Not in a nasty way. The school where, you know, I was observed by some really good people. I got a lot of good sort of um, feedback that I could use and and, and, and whatever. But, and, and, but, Oh, do you know what I was going to do then? I was going to throw in one of them like humble brag comments, but you know, like every single one was outstanding. So, you know, like it didn't matter in the end. Like, you know, like I did loads. I didn't care, but I still got outstanding in every lesson. (laughs) But, but honestly though, like I did like, I I did put too much weight in on those. Like I did. Mm. Did you, did you have those at the start of your career? Well, I, I often say this to people, and this, as young teachers there, they can't quite believe this, but I started teaching in 1988. That's how long ago, so 30, 34 and a half years ago. And at that time, I had someone visit me in my PGCE year, just to, from the local authority, just to kind of check I was all right. No one, the first full observation, the first graded lesson observation I had was in, was seven years later in my seventh year of teaching, and it was from Ofsted. And at that yeah. time, Ofsted came in and did a week in school. So mm. I hadn't had a single obser- graded observation since then, uh, until that point in the first first seven years. I mean, um, my dad's... My dad, over, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, on, my sorry. dad's retired now, and he retired in 2008, maybe, something like that. And he started teaching in, like, like the 70s. Mm. And he said that he... I remember him saying that he never had anyone even like come into his classroom no. for the first like decade <laughs> he was teaching no. like no one unless literally that had been children screaming all day no one would have known the wiser what what was going on. and even even when i was in school so like as a kid i mean in the 90s i don't remember an observer ever being in a lesson no you just when i started teaching i started in primary and then um eventually moved to secondary sort of later on in my career. But I started in, in primary, started teaching big primary school in London, um, in Tottenham. And it, when I was, I was taking year six, 30 in the class, no, no, never a teaching assistant anywhere around. And we had a great time and I got on really well with them. But I, I, re- I shudder now when I think about it, when I look, and especially when I look at these amazing teachers that we have now who, you know, plan these incredible lessons because we, we busked it all the way through and, and, you know, everything. And I worked out that when you brought your class over to assembly, you had to make sure they came in quietly um, and sat well in assembly because that was the way that I was judged as a teacher. Not, oh, not from anything yeah. that happened in this, because that was when people saw me with my class. So I put all my energy, not consciously, but I put all my energy into, into those yeah. moments where you were, if you like, on show as a teacher. And, and I think people did sometimes think, well, gosh, he must be a good teacher because look at the way his, his class come into assembly. And, but now I think, so now teachers do have that just intense pressure. And at the, at the end, one of the, one of the outcomes of it is great teaching. So I look at, for example, the ECT framework, 
you know, these teachers are learning so much. They've learned so much as they come into teaching and then they continue this rapid, this, this, this rapid learning experience in the first couple of years. So it's, it, it's great from that point of view, but it's a, it's an awful lot of pressure um, that, that young teachers are under. And I, and I think that sometimes that, that all contributes to the fact that so many teachers, you know, just, just don't, don't last the course, which is, you know, such a shame and, and not just a shame, actually, it's it's a disaster in the long term for our education system if we lose these people. I mean, but it was very think, different. Do, do you think really looking back because you started in 1988 and mm. you said that no one come in to observe you till 95 and that was Ofsted and then presumably it probably took another decade for it to really work up to to where we sort of got to in the early 2000s with like loads yeah. of one-off lesson observations. Oh, at so, which point I was on the other side, Tom. So I was doing the lesson observations. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah. So I, I sort of had the best yeah. of both worlds in a way. But, yeah. So yeah. do you think, do you think that, I mean, genuinely though, do you think like that teachers were better, were better off for being observed more? I mean, do you think the profession was better for that? Um. I, I don't think it's the observation that makes the difference. I think teaching. I think teaching is definitely better now and has gradually got better. But I don't think it's because of observation, particularly. I think it's because of of the CPD. You know, I, I think that we had a, the big the sea change for me was um, the national strategies. Not necessarily because what happened when they were introduced in the sort of early two thousands or well, kind of make, sort of what, about two thousand five six, wasn't it? Then they were introduced. It was more the fact that suddenly there was this expectation that teachers had professional development and they, and they learned some, something, they learned something about the theory of what they were doing and they were able to kind of have an understanding of why they did certain things and why, why something would work and something wouldn't work. So I think the thing that's changed is not observation. Um, it's, it's around, it's, it's the professional development, the teachers and, and understanding that, you know, teachers, that professionalism that teachers have to make decisions. Um, so that, because that, that really, you know, we didn't have any professional development when I started when I started teaching. The, the national curriculum came in. We had these all these folders that we'd work through at staff meetings, but no one ever really taught you about the, the mechanics of teaching. And now I think you know now teachers know they know all these things. I mean, you, you know, you, they understand around they understand what makes a good lesson. They understand you know they can critically engage with Rose and Shine's principles and all you know all. All sorts of uh, you know, all sorts of different theories and and standpoints on education, but that wasn't the case before. But it's not it's not observation that's that's just not lesson observations that have changed no. that. No, um, just a good little segue for me to mention the sponsors on the show today. So we've got pinned to the space for those people who are listening live. Um, you've got the Witherslack Group who have put together a pack to support um, any uh, family. Um, uh, during this period, uh, you've got an access to a huge library of resources on a on a massive array of topics, and you can access it by clicking the link in the pinned tweets at the top of the space. We've also got um, a new book that is arriving from Craig Barton, that is at Mr. Barton Maths, called Tips for Teaching, 400 Plus Ideas to Improve Your Teaching. It's coming soon. I think you can get a pre-order on that in now through John Cat. If you just go to John Cat. Uh, the website and if you type in the search bar tips for teachers by craig barton you'll find the book you can put pre-order in on it we're really excited i know craig is going to be coming on to a teachers talk radio show in the new year to talk about his book 
which has is is going to be well, it's packed with all the interviews he's, he's been carrying out with various different people over the last 12 to 18 months. So that's an exciting one to look out for. And the final thing to mention is we are recruiting. If you think you want to be a Teachers Talk Radio host, then please DM us um, at TT Radio 2022, this Twitter account. DM us on there and say, listen, I want to be a host. And if you do, we will get in touch with you with a nice little info pack about what you can expect from Teachers Talk Radio hosting. Uh, yeah, so I think we were just, our last one we were talking about there was observations. And I agree with you, more observations doesn't necessarily mean better teacher quality. It might mean if they're done in a certain way where you're getting really quality feedback and it's in a non-judgmental way and, you know, it's sort of part of a school culture, then I feel like that's, that can be positive. Um, and it depends who is doing the observations, of course. I mean, like, I'll be honest, I don't think I have in any sort of semi-formal or formal lesson observation I've had, I don't think I've ever been completely myself. I don't, I don't think I've been 100%. Maybe I've got to 90%. Maybe I've got to 80%. I've never got to 100% myself in an observed lesson, whether it's formal, semi-formal, even informal, as soon as there is another adult in the room, and I, and I take like a TA out of that because the mm -hmm. TA is not there to observe your practice. A TA is not there to give, you know, to sort of give you feedback. I mean, they might do if you're lucky, but they're not that. That isn't their primary role in there. Whereas if a if if a colleague is in there and you know that the reason they are there is to watch what you're doing. I, do, I wouldn't care whether it was classed as formal, informal, a visit, a learning walk, an observation, whatever the title was. If someone was there to watch what I was doing, I was not going to be 100% myself. I wouldn't crack the joke that I was going to crack. Mm -hmm. And therefore, maybe by cracking that joke, it would have broken the ice in the lesson and it would have been a better lesson. You know, but I wouldn't yeah. have done it. Yeah, and I think we have to just recognize. I mean, I've done, I don't know how many thousands of observations, I guess, or lesson visits or whatever you want to call them. And I think there's value in them. I mean, I certainly learn a lot. I, I can't, yeah. you can't, I don't think you can go into a lesson and, and not learn something or visit a school yeah. and not learn something. So, so it's, the, it gets, and it, it just, as what I think the skill of, of an observer is to, is, is, is to be able to see past the kind of immediate, you know, what's, what am I seeing right in front of me? And to kind of think, okay, what does, what's this telling me? about the bigger picture and how we can how this helps us move forward how i can either start a conversation about the way that someone's working and also i think most lessons let's be honest i mean you've kind of hinted it most lesson observations will have a positive outcome because mm. because that's the nature of that you know because most teachers yeah. or, or teachers most of the time so so one of the most important things is about affirming the teachers to kind of just to to say you, you're on the right track you know you you you, we can see what you're doing. You're doing a good job with these pupils. Um, here's here's something that you know that you might want to think about. But on the whole, this is this is just confirming what we already know that you're you're doing a good job. And I think that some in some ways people need to know that. And of course, my generation we didn't have that, um, so we we didn't have any of that. But but I think now that's a, that's part of it. And um, also, I think opening up classrooms is a good idea. You know, open doors understand it and, and you know uh, not not react not overreact to the fact that people come in and out of lessons as long as not disturbing the lesson obviously 
I think is a good thing. Now, that's why graded, grading observations can be a barrier, can't it? Because people will just focus on what's this grade going to be, whereas actually lesson visits, sharing practice, opening up conversations, there's some real value in that in terms of the culture, as, the culture of the school, but you have to take the heat out of it. Because as you say, I mean, what you said, you never completely yourself. Well, the more stress, the more is put on that lesson, the less likely you are to be to be the teacher that you know that you would normally be, and that's and and that's likely to make the lesson less effective. Maybe not very, you know, much less effective, but slightly mm. less effective. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I think, listen, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I think without that culture of consistent observation, I wouldn't have developed as a teacher maybe as quick as I did because I was being observed so much and I do think there is truth in saying well if you're observed so much you sort of do get used to it but I don't think the judgment side of it helped me because I do think just like a kid in class that if someone said all 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 you were sometimes doing was waiting for the grade mm-hmm and you know somebody spending 10 minutes going through what could be really valuable feedback and in your head you're going just tell me the grade just tell me i just want to know if i've passed i just want to know if i've got out of this cycle of performance management with what i want Mm -hmm. and that is the element that was not helpful but i think overall and on the whole you know i did need and want to be observed particularly during my PGCE, I think as time went on, obviously it becomes maybe less and less vital, if you like, to what you're doing. Well, you know, you know, with experience, you know whether you've done a good lesson and you know yeah. whether the kids are working. At the start of your career, you, you generally often don't know that. You need you need that affirmation, don't you? You need someone who's seen lots of lessons to say, yeah, that's that's OK. You know, you're on the right lines. But eventually you, exactly. you, you don't need an, obs- an observer to tell you whether you've done a good lesson. Exactly. I think another thing that I did a lot early in my career, which I would have told myself to stop doing, was compare myself to others. And um, uh, thinking to myself, oh, because that person did well in a lesson observation, they must be better than me. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? yeah. Or not even that, just like just a constant feeling like I wasn't. I was always catching up with the Joneses. I was always yeah. trying to stay. I was always trying to stay on top of the game, and actually, like it was just a false dichotomy of, like, yeah, it was just the whole thing was just like this weird like um, mentality that I sort of adopted. Um, yeah. Which, but I mean, partly that was like the teaching culture at the time. You know what I mean? Everyone's in yeah. competition with each other. Results lesson observations, you know, rep with the kids, everything. It's like, oh, let's throw it all into one. Yeah, and you have those those mysterious teachers who you don't know how they do it, but they do it. You know, the teachers who yeah. who just seem to seem to kind of have effortless, you know, there's they 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 their classes have classes eaten out of their hand. They kind of, you know, they, they have this fantastic atmosphere and it's really hard. And I, you know, I find I've spent most of my career in in leadership watching often watching teachers and thinking i wish that i wish that in the you know in my years as a class teacher 
I'd ever done a lesson as good as as good as the ones that you do every day. So it's it's you know there's and it's hard to just kind of to take that and to apply it to your own to your own class and your own circumstance because that's about the culture and the atmosphere and the the relationships that they've built up um, and the experience that they have. And you so it's not just a question of saying have a look at them, copy what they do. And then you'll have the same sort of lessons. It's it's there's there's a kind of an alchemy to that that's really um, hard to put your finger on. What you know you can do is by watching brilliant people like that. Um, you could you know you reflect on your own teaching. So what would I do slightly differently, or how would you know how would I manage that interaction that you know if that if that was me? But you can't you can't just think well, that person you know I'm going to do things exactly in that way because um, because there's a there's we each bring our own personalities to that, don't we? And, they, and you have to be true to your own personality. That's, I think that's a mistake that teachers often make when they start to teach. They try and be a different person than the one they actually are. And, and it, in the end, you can't sustain that for a whole career. My number nine was every other teacher in the school has been where you are right now and has come out the other side. I would, I'll mm-hmm. keep that one in there because it is true. Yeah. Um, and number 10, which we've sort of already touched on, was make more time for others was was my 10 to just say like come on like have a chat with that person like stop in the corridor and actually say hello for once tom yes instead of just putting your head down and charging towards the next thing you know Mm. um but yeah I, I, i mean as i said that it's easy to say that now and look back you know and say oh be less busy you know but if you think something is vital to your existence, then it's very hard to say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just sit here and have a chat instead. Mm. Like, it's hard to do that. How do you find that as a leader? You know, because they always say with, with school leaders and stuff, oh, you know, build, you know have a chat with, with members of staff all the time and get to know them, check in with them, et cetera, et cetera. Surely there must yeah. be times regularly where you're like, if I do this, then I won't be able to do that. Yeah, and and people, what what I often find is that people will say, um, they'll kind of apologise for for taking your time. They can, you know, they'll say, "I know you're busy," and you know, and I know, that, you know, and if you and always be grateful for that, which is is a nonsense, really, because you know everyone's busy, so it's not that that, that that's more important. I think, I think there's there are there are ways to to have that kind of presence and. And I think that what, you know, it's it's important that you don't just pass someone in a corridor without at least a kind of, you know, a hello or a smile or anything. Because um, it's really easy. I think there's, the more you get into leadership positions, it's really easy to just to just kind of fall back on that. You know, what I'm doing is really important and I'm really busy. Yeah. Um, but actually, there can be, that you know, it, what's important to remember is the impact of what you do is probably, the impact in terms of the interaction you have with people is probably greater if you are in a leadership position, I mean, just a quick anecdote. When, when I was in one of my first headships, and there was, I was doing an observation actually, and I was going into a class, and I knew that that we needed we needed to offer one of our TAs more hours. She was part time, knew she wanted to do the extra hours, and we'd managed to get money in the budget. And I was in a class, a reception class, I think it was, observing a lesson, and then, and I hadn't been at the school that long, hadn't been ahead for that long, and as on my way out, I, I saw this this lady, and I thought, oh, I, I said. Oh, Jackie! At the end of the day, can you can I just you can just pop up to the office and I just have a chat with you for ten minutes? So she said yes, and it went off. And, you know, rest of the day went on. She came at the end of the office and 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 I said, oh, well, now we need you to do some extra hours. And she burst into tears and she said, 
oh god i thought i was in trouble and i just thought you know because obviously i'd gone in i'd observed a lesson and then unthinkingly i just said to her oh can you come and see me at the end of the day and she had no she didn't know what i was going to say so she thought what had i done wrong and and it just really brought home to me how careful you have to be to, to you know the 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 way that you the way that you interact with people because you're in a, that position of responsibility and because you know pe- people can interpret what you what you say and what you do so if you're you know if you're unhappy about something if you've just come from a meeting that's really gone badly and you walk past someone in the corridor and you're still kind of you know i don't know upset or annoyed about that so you don't you know so you you don't kind of acknowledge them you just kind of walk past then that's that you've had another interaction that's gone wrong there if just by not doing anything you may you know you're not intending for that to happen but people will will um will make their own interpretation of that so i think you do have to be really careful when you're in a position of responsibility i mean the same applies teachers to, to pupils as well but you have to be really careful about keep investing in those relationships and not not having any hierarchy to that you know so making sure that you deal with people in those incidental kind of passing in the corridor moments you deal with people whether they're you know the senior teachers or members of your support staff or whoever they are that that's that's about just passing that you know human interaction that's not about um, the business of you know your school business so it's really important i think when you're out and about to be modeling those those sort of those sort of behaviors and those sort of interactions. Was that one as well where someone sends an email last thing on a Friday or oh, can I speak to you on Monday? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly and same thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. um but it's, yeah, what you said's spot on. I mean, when you're in an environment that you consider to be stressful or you consider to be of a certain nature and someone says, "Oh, can I see you for 5 minutes in my office?" like yeah. Your first thing is what the hell have I done? Like am I getting Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and so all of those, you know, how you're feeding back to people, how you're talking to, you know, it's it's really important to understand not just, you know, communication is not what's sent, it's what's received, isn't it really? So Yeah. Be very careful about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I want to ask you now. Um what are your things that you would tell yourself as a new teacher? So I think the the most important thing. This is what made made me think when I saw your your kind of question. The 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 thing that is really important is to keep keep a sense of perspective and just to understand. I mean, I've I've had very very few days that have been all good and very very few days that have been all bad. And you know, in in twenty in thirty something years, um, because you know you have you, there's there's ups and downs in this job, and you can go in, you can go from one to the other in a very very short space of time. And it's just been able to to have that, res, you know, to build your resilience, just to stand back and think, actually, this is, you know, things are going well, and to take the joy in it. And this is when, you know, I, it really, it it really makes me feel disheartened when I hear people say or see people write that they that they're disillusioned with teaching. And I understand this is not criticism. I understand that that's a genuine thing, genuine thing. But it's, I think, we work in this environment where you're with children, and young people who are joyous you know and give so much back we we should all be on the same side i know it doesn't always happen but you know you should yeah. be working with colleagues all we're all should be all together working for each other all co- you know collaborating towards a shared goal so overall this should be said it's it's pressured you know it's it's um you know very intense at times there's, there's you know another 
there's all sorts of issues about for people in the job about pay and that, the, the um, opportunities and so on. But overall, that kind of privilege of working in positive, happy places that are shaping the future, it's really easy when you get bogged down to lose sight of that. So I think the main thing I'd say is just take us when things are tough, take a step back and just find, you know, what, what's, what's the, you know, where, where do you find the joy in your job? Just those, those, you know, interactions you have with kids in corridors, you know, the kind of funny things, the funny stories, the, the moments when, you know, you've had a terrible day or a terrible afternoon, whatever last period and you, and you go to the staff room and there's a few people there and you just have a, you know, you can have a laugh about it and, and share it, swap a few stories and so on. So it's it's really easy to to get bogged down to think this is really hard, this is really tough. But just try, I'd say, just make sure you step back and just think, actually, this is okay. You know, this is I'm doing a decent job. I'm doing a job that's really important because I, I think I, I see people saying, you know, overwhelmed by kind of work and pressure, especially in the early years of the career, and just to say, but actually, I know it feels like that, but you're doing a good job. You know, it's, it doesn't mean you're not doing well. It doesn't mean you're not having an impact. And and those things, you know, over time, hopefully that, you know, you'll learn and you'll get better or you'll just find it easier to cope with. But I think it's it's really easy to get into a bit of a, you know, to go into a bit into your shell a little bit and just think everyone seems to be know, knows what they're doing. Everyone seems to be get to understand how to do this job, except me. I'm, I don't want to ask anyone because that that will put me right in the firing line. So I'm just going to keep my head down and just and and you know become really disillusioned with it all because it's a fantastic job it, it, and it's a fantastic privilege, but not all the time <laughs> and not every day, you know, and not every lesson. But those things, you know, that, that every teacher, no matter how no matter how easy they make it look, every teacher has those moments. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say like some teachers are experts at making it look like they're floating through like a day do you know what i mean i i mean do those teachers exist like i mean that that are genuinely like absolutely like just floating through well i, I don't know how they can time, on a full-time <laughs> yeah. table yeah i don't know how they can because it's it's hard work you know it's really it's it, and, and the thing about the, the thing we know about you know every teacher knows every school leader knows is that the thing that's different i think from teaching to lots of other jobs that are have different sort of pressures in lots of ways is that you know if it with teaching it never ends you know when you go home no teacher who's kind of employed you know on a sort of contract a permanent contract at school no teacher ever gets to the end of their to-do list it doesn't happen you know it, you it, that will happen when you retire whereas i think you know you've got very other very pressure jobs such as in the health service but you kind of you know at the end of the day you, you can't you, you're not doing that at home you can you know you're not doing that you're doing yeah. so um it's that's not to decry the pressure there it's just no. a different sort of pressure but for teaching it never it never ends you never get to the end of to-do list so if someone so i don't think anyone can feel that it's not realistic to feel that we're never under pressure we never have things to do and as you know you know you have these you have this rhythm in a in a school year so and it, uh, we don't finish till wednesday i know some people have already finished with the term but anyone who's still going now the there's, there, everyone is struggling a little bit because that's who, because you know it's they've been doing this for for 15 out of the last 16 weeks and it's hard work and they're hanging on for the last couple of days so 
um, even even the teachers who find it, you know, most you know, who go through with the kind of with the apparently the least effort, will be thinking, how much longer? How much, you know? Can I, how am I going to get through these last couple of days? Because that's just that's um, the nature of the job, and and it's that intensity that you know. There's always a flip side to this that, that it's that kind of that, that gives us those highs as well as as well as the lows. So I think it's it's a job of highs and lows. Yeah, it's interesting. And and you know what? Like there were some interesting comments because I put the tweet out. What's the one piece of advice you give to your own self uh, about mm. to embark on your teacher career? Probably one of the most controversial replies. I don't know if you saw this one was don't bother paying a union 25 pounds a month. Yeah. Um, scaremongering teachers into paying that much money for nothing that you can't get for free. So the head of the unions can pay themselves ridiculous salaries is the biggest con ever. That one divided opinion. There was there were there were some who sort of supported that. Um, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I saw that, and I thought that was kind of curious, especially in the context of the question, because it just seemed anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so in my in my role now. Um, I spend not quite a lot of time, but I do. We do negotiate with unions. We kind of have a have a terminal meeting with the unions, and you know we look at our. So we just go through some of the policies that we've got. Um, I think it's it, if people think that that joining a union is just is is a kind of insurance, then I think they're kind of missing the point. And what unions do, there's there's a delicate balance between all the different forces. You know, they've got government, public opinion. I don't know all the different roles, and then the unions, that, and and these things hold a balance, which means and which means that in the end we get this, we get the context and the policies that come out of that. So if we didn't have, if we didn't have that balance, and that, you know, in theory, I could be on the other side of this, but if we if we didn't have the unions there, making those arguments and holding yeah. policy makers to account. Then I think we'd end up with a very, you know, we'd end up with a very different situation, which might not be what we wanted. So it's not just about when you need it, because if you're under disciplinary, you need someone to come and argue yeah. your case, um, or you know, or if you've got redundancy, you need someone to be making your argument or anything like that. It's it's more about this is this is a counter, but you know, this is a, a, an important part of the voice for teachers, the voice for the for the, yeah. the workforce, because they do have a voice, and you know. I think there's clearly a bit of, you know, people are, it's a, it's an emotive subject unions at the moment in terms of, you know, and I think that's yeah. where some of those tweets came from, but I saw those and I thought that's a kind of curious thing really. Um, because I, I'm not, I'm not convinced. In fact, let me put it a different way. I'm convinced that if the unions didn't exist, then teachers, teachers would be in a worse position. Yeah. I mean, some, did, some, someone did comment about, you know, statutory sick pay and you know st um, pensions teachers pension all these other things wouldn't exist or certainly wouldn't exist in their current form without the collective bargaining of unions um, mm -hmm. teacher unions which is probably true i mean i don't know yeah, for well, a fact the ins and outs but i would guess that would be true yeah well i think i think in covid um you know i think the unions then they, they were i mean they took a stance um and and this is how this is how politics works, isn't it? You know, under the small p, they took a stance. The government, you know, and and there was a certain amount of public opinion that wanted to do things in a certain way. And so we ended up with a compromise. You always do. But if yeah. it wasn't for the union saying, okay, we want our members protected, then I think we would have ended up with you know a different a different outcome in terms of you know from teachers. So it's it, they they form an important part of that balance. I mean, I'm, I mean, I I'm, do um, I do sort yeah. of get the line of 
I guess the amount of money that it can sometimes cost to to go into a union, you know, for for a new teacher, maybe not not as much now, but like when mm. I started teaching, like I was on a salary of nineteen k, mm-hmm. and like for me back then, like the union fees were quite a lot, like you know, yeah. it was quite a lot to pay. When I, I, I have I ever used one? Um, I'm just trying to think now. That. I mean, I did. I I have probably maybe once or twice. Not in a, not in a particularly sort of serious level, but in my whole career, I've probably only used them a few times, and and that mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily a one where I really, really had to have them. Um, it was more for advice, support, guidance, and that sort. Of. So, but that's not an argument to say that we don't need unions do you know what i mean that's that's just that's just one of i guess the things where someone would look at it and go oh do you know what i'm paying this but the thing is as well is some people pay into like legal schemes rather than unions which don't have a political political arm with them you know my personal view on that is that's not good either but everyone's got their own views and and um i sort of understand the arguments uh, on all sides um but anyway, that was an interesting comment. But we got we got got loads of comments. Let's see what else people said. So we've got um, another one here that says, "Don't do it." <laughs> so yeah. got twenty five likes. Um, we've got um, this one was an interesting one from John B. John B said, "And I and I've done this. Go international teaching as soon as you can. Don't waste years struggling in the UK." I get that. I get. I mean, I did that, albeit after okay. eight years. And um, I remember, like after two years. So this would have been going back now to like 2010 when international teaching wasn't really half as fashionable as it is now. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking of doing it and I didn't in the end. And sort of there is a part of me that thinks, oh, how would it have turned out if I've done that? You know, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't have got the experience that I got. Um, and but equally, I don't know, like where would that path have gone? Um, but it is it. It is difficult to settle internationally, though. It, it, it is difficult. You know, you can often feel like you're living out of a suitcase. That was my experience in the two countries I lived in and worked in. Um, and that's nothing to do with the countries. The countries were great. It was more, yeah. I think it's just harder than you think to actually settle down somewhere outside of your sort of home. Yeah. It's fine. It's possible, but it's not as easy as, as you think. Um, what else have we got here? English teacher says... There are three things about teaching that you just have to accept. One, it's never all done. Two, there's always one. Three, it's not personal. I like that. I like that. That's a good that's one. That's some wisdom there, isn't there? So. That's not bad, is it? We can rate yeah. these. Would you Would you win that or bin it? Oh, definitely win that. That's, that's yeah, a... it's good. That, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Next one, Mr. Barnes, science says, just be yourself and don't be afraid to just do what's best for the students in front of you. Remember, it's just a job, not a vocation. Is it just yeah. a job? No, I don't think it is just a job. I disagree. With, I, I mean, I, th- I, I agree with the first part of what you said, and and I don't think I don't think the the vocation side of it. I don't think it means that therefore we can we can demand more, and you know, and you just have to put up with it. But I think that it's it's more than it's more than a job. I think, and and you know, uh, and I every almost every teacher I see, you don't have to talk I to them very long to my know that. Signal or your signal? Oh, I can still hear you. Can you hear me, Tom? Can you hear me, Tom? Okay? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. But 
Oh, can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah, I don't know if... Can you still hear me? I can still hear you, yes. Oh, that's good. It was just the yeah. signal went all garbled down, but I don't know if it was just me on my end. Oh, right. um, okay. Nathan, if you're listening, do tell. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I think... Yeah. Like... Hi, Tom. I can hear both of you equally. Oh, okay. that's, good. that's good. That's good news. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So, I Excellent. don't know if that helps at all. <laughs> oh, it yeah, does. It does. You equally. <laughs> it does. That's glorious. Um, so yeah, so that was one. Um, we also have another one here. It says... Um, it's about planning, planning, and planning. Never cut corners on planning, even if it takes you five minutes. Yeah, well, I, I can see that. I can see the oh, I can't the, um, the sense now. in that. Oh, oh, you're back. You're um, back. Well, yeah, I, I can. I can see the sense in that, Tom. That the uh, the idea of planning being important. But first of all, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do all the planning from scratch. I think that's the important thing about that. I think, you know, going in and, and winging it is not a good strategy for, to, to do more than once in a blue moon. But being able to, you know, the planning doesn't have to be done from scratch. It doesn't, you don't have to spend, you know, half of every weekend, you know, planning every lesson to the nth degree. So I think what's Hang been on. really positive... I'm going to rejoin few see years. what happens. Okay. So I'll keep on talking. So just just around planning, I think that as long as you've got, um, as long as you've you, the lesson is planned, it doesn't matter whether that's a collaborative effort, whether you've used some resources and you've adapted them to the class that you're in. I think it's just it's important that um, that we look at planning and that that that's a you know that that you say to teachers, don't try and just wing it, don't try and busk it. Yeah, yeah. Are you back with us? I Tom? hope so. Um... Right. We'll give it a go. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna finish yeah. soon anyway. We 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 nearly got yeah. there without a tech dump. Yeah. Um <laughs> so Emma says don't think don't take things too personally. Give your best to everything you do, but recognize that you'll make mistakes. Learn from those mistakes, but don't let them define you as a teacher. Do everything with integrity and authenticity. I like that. It's yeah. good that, isn't it? Yeah, great, great advice, Emma. Yeah. And and um, and people will recognise that. I think the, the, your colleagues, the pupils, you know, the others in the community will recognise that you that you're doing things, you're trying to do things as best you can. You're doing things with integrity and authenticity is a great word as well. Yeah. It is. It is a good word. It is a good word. Um, oh, uh, there's one here from Hannah who is actually listening. Uh, this is Hannah Wilson's tweet. Only do it if the students benefit. Oh, you're saying that to a school leader, mm. Hannah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's a good challenge, Hannah, and I think it's you know, so it's a good, it's a good challenge. To, so, and I, I think I know the sort of things that you're referring to, and and I think yeah, yeah, that's a, so. I think it's a reasonable question to say, um, yeah, how are the students benefiting from it? Of course, that might not be directly. Some of that might be indirect, indirect. That you know that we, it's it might not be immediately in that lesson, or you know, in in you know in that week but it could be that that's contributing to something i don't know that that allows longer term some things to happen but i think school leaders have to be open to to, either to those challenges and kind of you know and i think hopefully i know it does sometimes happen because i see people complain about it but hopefully people don't say we've got to do this because of ofsted we've got to do this because of the trust or we've got to do this or you know for whatever reason because um 
yeah. you know, this it's, the SLT have told us that we have to do this now. And that's so, that sort of thing without any, mm. any... That's what was frustrating is, like, when you hear something like that and then there's no, like, yeah, but we're going to do this because it's the right... It's like, the, Dave said we need to do it. That's it. No discussion. End of discussion. We're doing it because they said we're going to do it. Yeah, but what if it doesn't matter? We're doing it. And it's sort of yeah. like, hang on a minute. Like, we're, we're all humans here. We could, we've all got critical thinking. Like, let's have let's at least have some sort of joined up thinking about this. Um, yeah. Hey, this is a good one. Listen to this one from Barry Smith. If you're independent minded, skeptical of received wisdom, you're going to get very frustrated very often. But if you just ignore good practice, in inverted commas, you could do some amazing stuff. So be a maverick if it's in you. Um, and then he's written something in French that I don't understand. That yeah, has that yeah. gallop at the end. Um, I sort of, I do like that. Like, I do agree on the whole with that. Like, I do, there is that element of, here's a straight, not not in every school and not in every situation, but there can be that here's a straight jacket and we need you to fit into it. Here's a list of sort of non-negotiables or things that every teacher has to do and everything should look this way. And I can think of places where, only the corporate will do. Only the sort of yeah. regimented, you've got to wear a certain suit, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to talk a certain way, you've got to structure your lesson a certain way, you've got to do and say these things in every lesson or it's not a good lesson. You've got to do X, you know, and we could go on for an hour with those things. So I do think that, that those sort of cultures exist. And some of that culture is within the education system itself so i do yeah. sort of like i do buy into that although um i, I don't necessarily buy into that if we were to put the phrase standalone um yeah. if you just ignore good practice well there are certain things that are fundamentally good like there are yeah. there are certain yeah. things that are fundamentally good yeah so yeah i i think the way that we the way that I look at this and, and, and lots of different lots of different levels is that um, there's a difference between aut autonomy isn't always isn't always desirable. So autonomy, whether that's on a school level or an individual teacher level or a department level, isn't always desirable um, because then, you, you know, you, that's where you're going to get inconsistency. You're going to have maybe people not learning from, you know, not being able to learn from each other's practice and so on. But what you do need is agency. So it's not so. I think it's not a question of saying everyone can do whatever they want, you know, and just teach in whatever way you want. But everyone should have an in, an input into into the way that they do things. So if you if someone doesn't have any if you don't have any agency, then I think you're deprofessionalizing de and you're just having that, that thing. And I've seen it. I've seen. I've been in schools where you know every lesson has to you know is do now. Then there's a, yeah. you know recall quiz. Then there's and and. Every lesson is, you know, is, is identical subject to subject, which is, I think, is too much. But you, but that kind I mean, of um, agency, I think, is really I don't important. Think, yeah, like I don't think there's anything wrong in itself with that idea of the do now task, the retrieval quiz, and all that. I don't think there's anything wrong. They're good things. It's just yeah. when you sort of dictate and check and judge every single teacher against a set of non-negotiables, whatever those non-negotiables are. Even if all the non-negotiables are like good things, or or, or, or sort of could be good things, it's, yeah. it's well, that. What I'm saying is, does that culture then create generate that element of 
sugar am I going to get caught out? Because I yeah, haven't well, done this non-negotiable, even if yeah. that non-negotiable is a good thing. I don't want to get caught out. We used to have that in lesson observations. And I know, you know, it, um, maybe what time we're thinking, maybe eight or nine years ago, where you would go into a lesson observation. And as a school, you know, I mean, I'm kind of slightly cringing as I'm saying this because I was part of this. As a school, you'd, you'd tick off, you know, lesson objective on the board tick yeah. differentiation three levels tick 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 you know and you'd kind of go through all of this um you know stop i mean whatever the kind of you know plenary um use of whiteboards whatever it might be and you'd almost tick as if to say as if it was a, a sort of recipe and as long as you had these ingredients yeah. then you had a good lesson and i think that's you know that that's that sort of reductionist way of looking at lessons and, and looking at teaching hopefully we understand that that's you know, we've moved I, on from yeah, that. I mean, I think on the whole, we've moved on from that now. I, th- I think the profession has moved on from that now um, to an extent. But I do think there's still some of it knocking around um, yeah. f- for different reasons. Even if it's like, you know, you think about it, it just it's also like it might move on to curriculum, things around the curriculum that are sort of you know, non-negotiable, curriculum non-negotiables, you know what I mean? Like um, the sort of new lists and new things that that people need to include in this, that and the other and must include and and, and all that. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. What else have we got here? We've got, um, oh, we've not got long left now, about 10 minutes. Um, Someone's put here, this is Craig Burrows, and I, I like this. Craig Burrows said, chill out a bit more. That's it. Yeah. It's key to everything for me. Sometimes yeah. I realise it a bit too late. I think Craig was was possibly high at the time he tweeted that. That was a joke. He yeah. probably wasn't. But he, he yeah. seems a very chilled out guy when you look at his, his profile picture. Um, but he just said, chill out a bit more. Yeah. Well, I think for, for lots of people starting teaching, that's not that's not bad advice. <laughs> um, because because it's it doesn't, you know, you see people... You know, struggling home with bags full of books and kind of, you know, and coming back. What did you do at the weekend? Oh, I didn't. I just just did my planet, you know. And, and I think actually, yeah, you know, just try and try and keep it in perspective the whole time. It's easy to say, not so easy to do. By the way, if anyone wants to call in now for the last ten minutes, just hit the little request icon in the bottom left. Thanks everyone who's listened for the entirety of this show from seven thirty to now. Oh my goodness, you're hardcore, yeah. Um, yeah. especially at this time of year. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, another comment from Graham Ritchie says, who's a science teacher, when <laughs> this is this is I don't know whether to laugh or cry at this. When a year nine boy asks if he can go to the toilet three minutes before the end of class, for goodness sake, let him go. <laughs> <laughs> that Somebody, there's a story behind that. Thank you to yourself. <laughs> well, we want to know the story behind that. We can't invite Graham in now to explain what happened, but I'm guessing it didn't end well. No, no. <laughs> oh dear. Um, we've got um, one from uh, uh, Davo, uh, another one who said, "Don't do it." Davo said, "Don't do it." There's loads more rewarding and less st- stressful jobs out there. I wasted thirty years being criticised before I saw the light. Now in training for a large company, and I love it. Um, as in, he is a trainer for a yeah, large company. Yeah. There's nothing to do with education. There was quite a lot of those, you know on this thread yeah. who, who sort of said not don't do it but said like there's there's a a less stressful path to follow if, if you like um, yeah we've got this one 
Uh, let's have a look what we've got here. Oh, yes, this isn't bad. Ellie says, kindness and understanding for every student. It costs nothing and might just be the difference that they needed that day. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's, I, I think that's, I 100% agree with that. I mean, of course, you know, that, what does kindness and understanding look like? It's, it, yeah. it may not, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean you have low expectations. It doesn't mean that yes. you kind of accept things that you shouldn't do. But you've, you know, in the end, that that's that's what it's all about. That's what we're there for. So I think that, that's a really good and and being able to kind of have that filter to say, right, this I want the best for you, and so that's why I'm do this. You know, but that that's that's what proper kindness is, isn't it? In terms of teaching, or it might just be having a. It doesn't have to be sort of like you just say. It doesn't have to be about lowering expectations or like going, oh, I'll let you off that or whatever. It, it can be like a bit of a, it can be within a lesson, just sort of understanding that a student might might not be in the best of, of spirits or moods and, and maybe having a joke, you know, in, in, yeah. in the lesson, making that student laugh, you know, or yeah. that that's showing kindness in that particular yeah. moment. Um, maybe we have a bit of a narrow definition sometimes of, of what showing kindness and understanding is for every student. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sticking to the boundaries can be showing kindness and understanding for that student. Um, yeah. having, having those really clear boundaries that are stuck to, that that can be showing kindness and understanding yeah. in certain contexts. And I think just, just being able to, you know, so if you, you're at the front of the class, you can see what, noticing that you've got someone there who's looking, you know, you ask them a question and you see the, the look of sheer panic that comes into your face and just know, okay, I'm going to move on. Um, yeah. You know, I'll come back yeah. to that, and just exactly. just to kind of understand that, understand those, read those situations because that that people will know what what's happened there and will appreciate that. Definitely, definitely. Um, we've got Bromwin who says the profession needs you. Your best is enough. And I, and I, th- I think that's right. so. You know, when when we talk about those people say don't do it, and I mean, I think there's something about there's something about teaching. You know, when you get the chance to step back, so it, it it might be people might be doing it this week or you know on Thursday when you get to the end of a term, and you just think, you know, if someone says to you, "What do you do for a living?" I think most of us are proud to say that we're in teaching. You know, it's something that you think this is a good thing. I've this is something that I you know that is, is adds value, and you know changes lives and all of those kind of cliche things, but that are all absolutely true. And as I say, you might not be feeling that every day. But when you get the chance to step back, thinking actually, I'm doing something good here, and and that's that's something we get. I mean, I don't know if you've had this experience, Tom, but when I, you know, when you're with a group of people, some, you know, maybe a couple of whom are teachers and the others aren't, I think people are really interested in what in in, in our work and what we do, and it's kind of you know, and, and want to hear the stories and want to kind of you know know about that because it's because it is something that everyone recognises. Yeah. This is this is makes well, a difference. This is, a, this is important. This, this is a good one from Wendy. Wendy has tweeted saying, go and be a stunt woman. That's what she would have told her, her NQT <laughs> ECT self. Um, okay, Wendy, thanks for letting us know. Great. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can think of a few schools that, that Wendy could have worked in, actually. That, that might, those skills might have been... Might that's have been very handy, specific, isn't it? Something yes, that yes. she'd wish she'd have done. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Karen Dobson tweeted saying... I'll pass on the advice I was given when I first started. If there are corners, you can cut, cut them. Also, 
this has always been hilariously true, but we're out of wind, snow, and injections. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. And if any um, two of those arrive at the same time, then you're re- you're really struggling. So this yeah. is a good one from Dame Square Peg. Um, Dame Square Peg tweeted saying, "Always pay into your pension. One day you'll retire and get free money every m- month until you die, for doing yeah. nothing if you choose." Yeah. And and yeah, I mean that's well, that's a very good advice. It sounds sounds like. Uh, <laughs> That sounds like someone who's who's kind of who's moving onto the side there to to get take advantage of that. But yeah, yeah. I, I think I thought you were going to say know, thinking most about of us don't. Then. I was like, don't yeah, say yeah, it. yeah. But most most of us don't. You know, most of us just do that automatically. But actually, it's also worth bearing in mind that that is something that we that is a big part of you know, it's a big part of the attraction of teaching because the wages in themselves may not be you know may, may not stand in comparison with doing other things. But actually, having that you know that that the, the pension is is a big bonus for you know compared to if you were working for a private company so yeah definitely was paying to pension great yeah. advice yeah it's good in it we've got three minutes left how many more of these do you think we can pack in yeah. um do not uh charlie says do not do your pgce in an art subject as you will still be without a job over a decade later yeah i mean i can say i I, I think that's changing, Charlie. I'll tell you, I, I think there won't be many teachers who are out of a job in the next next couple of years because, um, you know, I think that, that's one of the biggest problems facing our profession is, you know, is, I, I suppose as we're talking about now, that, that we're not having enough people joining. But Are you finding, yeah, I, are you finding it super tough on recruitment? Um, just just starting to. So we, we've not had, you know, we've not had a lot of movement, but we're just starting to see that, you know, this, the numbers aren't coming through in quite the same way. Um, you know, we're we're near we're in Nottingham, so we're near a couple of very big yeah. teacher training institutions, and that's helpful. Um, and we've got good relationships with them. But yeah, we're starting. To, we're we're really seeing actually support staff is is the big problem. and then some of those roles that aren't that don't pay so much because you know because there's more options out there. But I think yeah, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it, it's teaching teachers will be need will be needed and any anyone doing a pgc or an itt now is is not going to find it difficult to get a job in the next few years in any subject uh, well primary is always the one where we get the most applicants i think for a, an individual job um and then you occasionally get but even things like languages we've we've been okay i i've sometimes you know visited some schools out in lincolnshire um in the sort of you know the the wilds of Lincolnshire, and they're really struggling for science. For example, they just cannot get science teachers in you know where you're away from the sort of cities and so on, and and in in that kind of rural coastal environment. Um, and I think it's a real problem. You know, there's those because kids in schools I've been to don't have access to um, to qualified science teachers, and they're doing GCSEs. So it's it's uh, and there's nothing. There's literally nothing the school can do about that. You know what so, I would say. You know what I would say to me if I was starting now, I'd say you are really valuable as an asset. Like, mm-hmm. do not underestimate. Like, not that you could have the pick of jobs, but yeah, you sort of could. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. if, if you if you're half decent at, at what you're doing, then you really can pick and choose probably much more than in 2007 when, when I started out. You know. Yeah, and have a really varied career. You know, you can do lots of different things yeah. within teaching. I mean, do you think, because someone did actually say about moving on, do you think that teachers, do you think there's like a cut-off date where a teacher should move on from a school? 
Or, or, um, do, you, or do you just not think that rule not should, ne- should exist? Not necessarily, but I, I think it's. A, I think if you want, if you want kind of promotions, then I think it's useful to see more than one, more than one, at least more than one environment. So, and just to learn from it, I think, and learn from people and work with different leadership teams and so on. So I think for those those are reasons. But I don't. I, I've also known teachers who've been you know, 35 years in the same school and I'll be loved in that school and do an amazing yeah. job, you know, and, and you know, they're teaching the, the children and almost the grandchildren of, of former students and, and contribute so much to that community in a different sort of way. But I think if, you, if you're career-minded, it's, it's a, you know, it's a useful thing to see different schools. Do you know what? This comment, like the, the, this tweet I've got here in front of me, like it's a bit... Like, I actually agree with it, but I've never sort of thought about it till I read it. But it says, are you solid enough, question mark, because the animosity in the classroom can be very overwhelming. Teenagers aren't easy. I do sort of like, yeah, I I know where that person's sort of coming from with that. Like, you've got to be able to depersonalize. If you can't depersonalize, you're in trouble because if you can't see it, in sort of like in a, in more of like um a job sense like you're there to do a job yeah. and it's not personal and anything they say to you isn't a reaction against you as a person but it's a reaction against what you're trying to do yeah um you know what and I mean? it, t- it tells it tells you more about them and that you know the students at that time and what they're going through and so you know i i think yeah it's 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 rarely meant personally i think and and um you know, and and I think that it's. But when you when you're first there, especially when you're starting, and you every young teacher new to the profession wants to be popular with the, with the pupils, don't they? That's that's such a natural thing to do. And that uh, over time, you, it's not that you don't want to be popular anymore. You just realise that you don't get popular by trying to to be popular. Yes. You just you know, you just do your job and do it well, and then those things those things come. You know, and you won't. And not every student will like you. Yeah. And, you know, but but it's that's just, you know, that that's about them, that's not life. about you. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Paul, we've run out of time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, I like really, really enjoyed uh, tonight's chat. It's been it's been fantastic. Anyone who is stuck with us for the duration of this. Thank you very much. I can see you all there. Thank you. Yeah, well done. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been wonderful. Um, just uh, a quick shout as well. Before we go, we've got our sponsors to the show at the very top. You can see them. Uh, you've got Witherslack Group, thanks to them. John Cat, thanks to them. And, of course, we are recruiting. So if you want to be a host on Teachers Talk Radio, get in touch with us and uh, we will we will go from there. Um, you can listen back to this if you, if you join late and you fancy listening back to it. Um, you just click on the same link and it will be available as a recording. Although don't listen to the first minute because that was me going, what the hell is going on? Because Twitter <laughs> have added some weird like theme music thing to the start of Spaces. And I was like, where am I? What's going on? And then I sort of muted myself and then Nathan had to sort of counsel me through the first few minutes. So don't listen back to that. But after the first two minutes, it's all right. You know, it's decent. <laughs> Um, so yeah, thanks everyone, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be back now after Christmas. Uh, date would be the let's have a look, uh, the 16th of January. I'll be back, um, for this one, but actually, you have a show starting now on ttradio.org. Sarah's on, so just click listen live on there and listen to her. Go on, give it a go. Uh, see you all later. Good night, thank you very much, Paul. Goodbye.
Thanks for coming. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.